0: Whether you're an entrepreneur, event planner, political organizer, video producer, cattle farmer, fashion designer, architect, real estate agent, or magazine editor, Airtable can help you create your way. Learn more and get a special offer for the Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com foundersproject Founders Project. Welcome to Ink's The Founder's Project with Alexa Von Tobel. I'm Alexa, founder of Learn Best, author of the New York Times best-selling book, Financially Fearless, the forthcoming book, Financially Forward, and most recently, founder and managing partner of Inspired Capital, a venture firm committed to investing in founders who are building our future. Each week, I love to sit down with a top entrepreneur to share their story of guts, inspiration, and drive. This week... I'm so excited to introduce Eddie Liu, the co-founder and CEO of GOAT, the world's largest marketplace for buying and selling authentic sneakers. Eddie and his co-founder created GOAT out of a major pivot. They had started a company called Grub With Us and realized GOAT was an opportunity they simply couldn't pass up. They now have 12 million registered users, three retail locations, a $100 million strategic investment from Foot Locker, and 600 employees across the world. Eddie started his career in consulting and finance before diving headfirst into startups. He's made a huge splash with Goat, which Fast Company named one of the most innovative companies in 2019. Let's welcome Eddie. Hi, Eddie.
1: Hey, Alexa. Thanks for having me.
0: I'm so excited to have you on. Also, I just have to quickly confess, my husband is the biggest sneaker fanatic and loves your business. And if I ever am like, you know, scrambling for a last minute present of any kind, it's just always sneakers. Um, so just a huge fan of what you've built. Thanks. So first, Eddie, I would just love the narrative of Goat in your own words. Walk us through kind of the last few years.
1: Goat is the largest and most trusted sneaker marketplace. We have over a million listings now spanning over 45,000 unique styles. So unlike traditional peer-to-peer marketplaces that you might know of, where the seller sends the product directly to the buyer... At GOAT, we're actually a managed marketplace, so the seller actually sends the product to one of our facilities first so that we can authenticate the product and quality control the product before we repackage the product and send it to the buyer. So basically, GOAT handles all the messy marketplace issues while we give the buyer a retail-like experience.
0: Just walk me through, what, what was the aha moment when you were like, you know, I know you were accepted into Y Combinator, raised $5 million, Series A. Give us a lowdown on Grub With Us, and then what made it clear that this was the turning pivot? Walk us through that period of time it was.
1: So Grub With Us was a social dining network, actually, where we brought individuals together for group dinners at restaurants throughout a city. And it was a great idea in theory because it was a really low pressure way to meet new people, to date, to network. What we saw was that it was basically a people marketplace. So there was just a ton of friction in this kind of marketplace. Imagine if, Alexa, you're going to a dinner, a Grub With Us dinner, and you have to think about, okay, is the, the menu too expensive? I'm gluten free or I'm kosher. Are there options for me? What if I don't like the theme of the dinner? What if the people that are going, I don't like, what if I'm the only person that might show up? What if I'm doing something that day? So there were just so many friction points to that kind of marketplace. So while it was a great idea in theory, we said, you know what, we can't overcome these friction elements. I mean, the key to a marketplace is to have liquidity and to remove as much friction as possible. So we decided to pivot from that. And when we built Goat, we built it with the lens of how do we remove as much friction from the sneaker marketplace as possible.
0: Were you always passionate about sneakers? Was it just like you loved this space?
1: My passion has always come from playing basketball. I played basketball every day as a kid. And so I naturally love basketball shoes. My co-founder actually, Daishan, he is a very hardcore sneaker enthusiast. He's actually the reason the company was founded because in 2013, The first pair of Jordans he ever bought when he was a kid re-released in 2013, the Jordan 5 Grapes. And so he had to have them because it was the first pair his dad ever bought him. He went to eBay, which was the predominant sneaker marketplace at the time to go buy a pair of sneakers. And when he got them, just something wasn't right. I mean, he looked at it, the Jumpman logo was a little off, the text was a little off, and he realized he bought a pair of shoes that were fake. And he started to complain to me and. He was just saying, I can't believe this day and age, I spent $300 to buy a pair of sneakers and I still have to worry if it's real or fake. So we started chatting and we're just like, hey, we know the industry. Both of us are technologists and designers. We know how to build great products. Why don't we see if this is a space that we can really impact? And so... As we started to look into the space, we got just more and more interested in the fact that there was no company focused on trust and authenticity in the sneaker marketplace. And so Goat was born.
0: I love it. So one thing I just want to ask, first, how'd you land on the name Goat?
1: Yeah. So Goat, of course, references greatest of all time. And this Today, goat is a very common phrase, but back then it was it wasn't that common. There was only a few people who were called goats, especially Michael Jordan, for example. And (laughs) I mean, given that Jordan is such an impactful person in the sneaker industry, we wanted kind of a covert way to give a nod to Mr. Jordan and kind of have a underground sneaker reference.
0: I love it. It's so great. And to your point, it now obviously is everywhere. So trust and authenticity are like both of those are core to your business. And you've built that into your company culture. Uh, Walk us through how you think about establishing that trust and authenticity with your customer, your future customer. How do you guys think about it internally?
1: Given that we were born from trust and authenticity with Dyson's experience with fakes it is so important to both our core values i mean trust is one of our core values in addition to the experience that we give our customers for us we use multiple points of authentication to make sure our customers have the best and most authentic product possible step one we have machine learning platform that I mean, we get thousands upon thousands of submissions and product that come through our doors every single day. So we've really built a robust image set on what is real or what is fake. But that only covers a small subset of issues. I mean, imagine I mean, these are kind of blemishes on the actual shoe that the computer can can detect. But the most important part and the core of our business are our authenticators. These are our authentication team members are just so passionate about what they do. They go through a months long training program before they can even start authenticating. We have these rigorous guides that they have to study and, they, they not just look at what is on the outside of the shoe, but they touch the shoe, they smell the shoe, they kind of really experience the shoe to determine if something's real or fake. And we take so much pride in this because it's basically our founding story and we want to make sure our customers are protected.
0: Tell us a little bit more about that machine learning. So the fact that, you know, what I love is the fact that you guys are using uh, cutting edge technology for something like sneakers. And for everybody out there that's listening, um, that may not make sense. So you you are starting to give some good examples, but give us a a few more examples of how that really works.
1: So when new sellers come onto the platform, they have to take pictures before we agree to list their product. And the pictures that they take create just image sets that we can use to run through our machine learning platforms so the combination of the images that our sellers are sending us plus the photos that we take with every single pair that comes through one of our facilities it just creates hundreds of thousands and millions of photos for us to really triangulate and have our algorithms understand the the different nuances with shoes. Uh, But like I said, we don't rely completely on machine learning. It is a tool to assist our human authenticators in looking at product, but I mean, machine learning helps with, yeah, a small subset of the really bad fakes, but it's our authenticators who utilize the kind of the data points that the technology says to actually say yes or no if something's real or fake
0: again, makes total sense. And I think, you know, you said you have tens of thousands of different shoes that you guys sell. So uh, just that the the value of that database is impressive. So again, GOAT has a very clear focus on being the safest way to buy and sell sneakers, which obviously have just an obsessive culture around them. How do you see that core mission evolving over time as the CEO? If you had to fast forward five years, 10 years, just walk, walk us through what's in your head, Eddie.
1: So yes in 2015 when we started we prided ourselves at being the safest way to buy and sell limited edition hype sneakers What we've really seen as The company has evolved is that we're not just the best place to buy limited edition sneakers anymore People are coming to us to buy all sorts of sneakers actually 40% of the stuff that we sell is under retail price so we're really seeing the convergence between the resale markets and the primary markets. And for us now, it's not just the safest place to buy and sell limited edition sneakers, we're actually moving to just the safest and best place to buy any type of sneaker period.
0: I love it. My husband is just a, a huge consumer, and I just love that you're expanding even more. Um, let's move into last year. You acquired a company called Flight Club uh, in the exact same space, but brick and mortar focused. And it's not every day that a young company acquires an older one. And obviously, merging two companies, as I've lived through, um, you know, on the entrepreneur side, selling Learn Best to Northwestern Mutual, you know, just requires so much thinking and effort. And I would love just to get a sense of walk us through what that's been like for you guys.
1: Flight Club is such an iconic brand. Uh, To be honest, Daisha and I looked up to Flight Club when we started to build GOAT, and we aspired to be Flight Club. I mean, they started in 2005 as a brick and mortar store in New York City. They really pioneered sneaker consignment and authentication. So they're just such a trusted brand in the industry. I mean, huge tourist destination. The Showcase in New York has sneakers worth collectively over a million dollars. It's just such a cultural institution. So. When we kind of kept working, I mean, we've been friendly with the Flight Club folk for a long time as as we've grown both companies, Flight Club wanted to get more digital. And for us, we knew that sneakers are such a tactile experience and we wanted to get more omni channel and get into retail. So we just said, hey, instead of competing against each other, why don't we just join forces so that we can build the best omni channel company possible?
0: Talk us through a little bit more of like what that required for you as the the CEO in terms of your everyday.
1: So what we realized is that both customer groups were pretty different. We thought there was gonna be a huge overlap with customers, but there is a subset of customers that prefer to shop physically. There's a subset that prefers to shop online. So for us, we saw how many synergies could be had on the kind of the back-end corporate technology side. So, we're just building one platform on the back end, but really servicing two unique customer segments. So, um, what's great about it is that we have two brands, but one company, and we're just working towards this consolidated infrastructure. That, so, that's what takes up most of my time with this merger.
0: So this is such an obvious question, but I'm so excited to ask it for you, which is kind of silly. Sneakers are just such an obsessive community and people are just willing to do crazy things. So I have two questions. First is, what is the craziest thing you've seen somebody do to buy sneakers? You've got to have a good story up your sleeve.
1: I have a couple stories. I'll, I'll say <laughs> <sure>. on the <laughs> step side and the buyer side, the craziest thing we've seen on the seller side and the reason why we are very prideful in servicing our buyer is that I'm sure when you buy on eBay, you've seen that sellers will ship their product in anything they can find, whatever box they can find, whatever packaging they can find. An extreme example, a seller sent us a pair of thousand dollar sneakers, but instead of the styrofoam packing peanuts they used Frito-Lay chips to pack these $1,000 sneakers. And of course, Goat repackages everything to make sure the buyer gets that unique experience. But imagine if you bought from a traditional marketplace and you bought a $1,000 pair of shoes. And when it came,
0: there were like freedoms everywhere. I'd be so angry
1: on your $1,000 product. So that's, that's one of these things where it's, yeah, it's just such a bad experience. And that's why Goat, wants to provide that retail-like experience for our customers. Um, On the buyer side, I mean, we're fortunate to have worked with and serviced many entertainers, artists, celebrities, and it's just a funny story is that some of these big purchases, they always get caught up in fraud review because imagine an athlete who's traveling every single weekend to a different location to play basketball and every single time because we have all these data points on the fraud side, they get caught up in fraud review. So we're, we're always kind of laughing about unblocking them from using our system.
0: So you're like, you're like, so, so sorry, uh, yeah. insert Kevin or uh, Shaq or uh, Shaq. I can only imagine. And with that, we'll be right back after this. In the 1990s, an engineer and avid bird watcher named A.G. Nakatsu was fascinated by the way the Kingfisher could dive into the water without making a splash. He later designed a new high-speed train for Japan Railway West based on the shape of the Kingfisher's beak, which broke world speed records while reducing noise and energy consumption. This creative breakthrough is brought to you by Airtable. Learn more and get a special offer for Founders Project listeners at Airtable.com forward slash Founders Project. So my next question is this. What is it about sneakers? Just you gotta you you gotta explain it to me. What makes people crazy for sneakers?
1: It's a really great way of self-expression. You have to wear something on your feet every single day. So why not really use it to to express yourself in a unique way and your own point of view? I think especially both in terms of the sneaker market, it's both male and female. But I think in terms of males, this, as males become more fashionable, this is just the easiest way to say, "Hey, this is my fashion statement, and this is how I choose to express myself."
0: Uh, you know, in total fairness, I think the same goes for for all shoes, right? People are obsessive about shoes. There's just something about it. But the, I, I will say, I think sneakers. There's an edge there that, you know, I was I was at a dinner party, and like a 15 year old was like, "Hey, you got to come check out my store," and I'm like cool I'd love to see your store and he opens his closet and literally had like a full retail store that he was running you know out of Instagram and I was just totally first of all I was super impressed and I was like I should hire this kid he's so smart um, but also just there really is just something about sneakers so I want to move back uh, so in February you announced a major strategic investment from Foot Locker for a hundred million dollars as a founder how do you evaluate that decision uh, what is that you know that partnership process look like for you just walk us through through the strategy and what you what you guys were thinking.
1: To all the founders out there, I would r- really urge getting to know all the industry players as you build your company because for us, we got introduced to Foot Locker many years ago when they wanted nothing to do with the secondary markets, but it was just a fun casual conversation with one of the biggest industry players out there. And we didn't as we started talking once a year type of thing we started to develop a relationship with Foot Locker and we realized as the worlds of retail and resale were converging and we started to talk to Foot Locker more and more about it, we just saw that, hey, it really made sense to partner because we both saw the worlds colliding and that our visions were the same. So we said, let's just work together. I mean, Foot Locker is the leader in the primary market. Goats, the leader in the secondary market. Combined, we'll be able to create an unmatched experience that really serves the sneaker community well.
0: I totally agree with you, by the way. You know, sometimes it can seem like unlikely marriages become the best one. And, you know, I sold LearnBest financial planning software to North Mutual one of the oldest life insurance companies, you know, uh, you know, on the planet, but particularly in the United States, 161 year old company, you know, in, in Wisconsin. And actually, the fact that, you know, you had a Leaning in technology forward, software company in New York, married to a big Wisconsin, uh, you know, uh, life insurance company, actually made an incredible marriage. And I think to your point, get to know everybody in your industry because everybody has different strategies, and um, there can be really good partnerships. So, just walk us through that partnership process now. What does it allow Goat to do?
1: So, Goat has twelve million digital members. Footlocker Locker has 3,000 physical retail stores. We know our customers like the digital experience, but they also crave that tactile experience and those physical touch points. So as you can imagine, while we continue to expand our physical footprint with Flight Club, Foot Locker's done this 3,000 times over so they can really help us in expanding our physical retail stores. In addition, with those 3,000 stores, we can really leverage them to better serve our buyers and sellers with physical touch points wherever they are.
0: Tell me, you basically started to answer my next question, which was, as you step back, and just again, being you know, two and a half million Instagram followers, just a ferociously committed user base, and as you think about the future of retail, I'd love to hear your hypothesis. You know, If you had to fast forward 10 years, What's changing in retail what are the things you care about
1: in terms of physical retail? I think they will never go away because Like we were saying about that tactile experience and really wanting to feel and understand and touch a sneaker so I think It is going more experiential, though. I mean, any retail store can only have a limited set of SKUs, whereas with Goat, with over 45,000 different SKUs, we can really personalize the experience to every single person when they're using our digital products. So I really think retail will always be able to complement our digital capabilities, and that omnichannel presence will allow us to, one, build trust in the consumer because we've noticed that with physical retail there's a lot more trust in a brand. And GOAT, of course, is still a relatively new company as opposed to a company like Flight Club or FootLocker. So and we've seen that having those retail stores builds trust in their consumers over time. So we'll keep expanding our retail presence to in support of the broader digital ecosystem.
0: It's so interesting. That is um You know, I've now interviewed some incredible entrepreneurs and they all say that they think physical retail, you know, is not going away, which is, you know, there's lots of people out there that think malls are dead and et cetera, et cetera. Tell me a little bit more about why you don't think consumers will stop wanting a physical location. Just give me your thinking on that.
1: Well, especially in the sneaker category, fit is so important. How it looks with what you like to wear is so important. On the digital side, we started to do this with on-feet photos so you can see how the sneakers look with different types of clothing. So I just think there is that trust factor with a physical store, especially in emerging markets as we go more international and our brand is less known Having physical stores says, OK, this brand is trustworthy because they put the effort into physical touch points and physical stores so that I'm more comfortable with shopping on them online, even though I don't know the brand or I just started to understand what the brand is. So I think from a trust level and from just a experience level, physical retail is so important.
0: That's so helpful. So you've announced some really high profile brand ambassadors and partnerships, and we are obviously in the era of influencer marketing. How do you think about that? What do you think, you know, what is the future of this influencer marketing, if you had to guess?
1: Goat as our mission, it's to have people aspire to be the greatest. I mean, that's why we're called Goat, to have people be the greatest. And Goat just really exemplifies innovation and we were really excited to partner with Kyle Kuzma from the LA Lakers because Kyle just is GOAT. He exemplifies GOAT's core values. And it's just from his performance on and off the court. I mean, not only is he an incredible basketball player, go Lakers, he's also <laughs> devoted, he's also devoted to giving back to his hometown community of Flint, Michigan. And so when we look to partner with influencers, we want them to be aspirational people who our consumers can relate to and say, yes, I aspire to be the greatest as well. So we're just, really excited about the partnership with Kyle is a first-of-its-kind partnership with someone from the NBA. And I think leveraging influencers who embody what GOAT means will help just increase our brand awareness.
0: Do you think that influencer marketing begins to take over just even typical brand marketing? Those influencers are in a position to be able to start to create their own brands. Do you think that's the future of retail?
1: For me, influencers and brands go hand in hand for, for goat. We only pick influencers who really exemplify our brand. And so I think in terms of influencers, we want them to be genuine and authentic to our brand. So it's not like it replaces any type of marketing. I think it complements what we're doing on the brand side, on the performance marketing side, on the creative side, on just the content side. And it just enhances all that. So I think it's a great compliment. And influencers have been, whether they were actors and celebrities in the past to YouTube stars, now athletes, artists, people who are influential will always make a difference for the consumers.
0: Okay, so now I want to shift gears a little bit. So you've grown to over 600 employees, which is, I mean, crazy. And they're distributed all across the globe. First, what are those uh, employees across the globe doing?
1: We have every single function from marketing, to technology, to customer support, to fraud, and just all sorts of functions throughout the globe. As, as you can imagine, as we grow more international, there's a lot of localization that needs to happen, not just from the language and currency standpoint, but from the marketing standpoint, from the product point of view. So a distributed global team is really important as we build a global sneaker marketplace for everyone. Um, You know, in terms of the 600 employees, yeah, we've been really fortunate to have scaled up here and just really proud of the team we've built.
0: So you've scaled really quickly. What has your approach been to make sure that as you scale, you kind of keep that incredible culture that you've talked about? What's your playbook there?
1: It's really hard for, well, it's impossible now for Daish and I to interview every single candidate like we did when we were 20, 30 people. So what we've done is just really instilled our core values and our messaging to every single person on the team. When we interview, we interview people for core values. And when they start, we teach everyone about our core values so that even though I can't interview everyone, I want our next generation of employees, when they interview the future batch to say, okay, do these people instill the core values that we, we have? And if we can keep perpetuating our core values and our messaging to every employee, we should have that culture intact because that's what everyone's interviewing for.
0: Got it. I love it. I'm going to ask you later uh, what's your favorite interview question, so I'll let you think about that for a second. Okay. Before I shift to uh, a little bit more about you, um, I want to hear, so you're in the LA kind of startup technology ecosystem. In your own words, describe how that system's evolved, that ecosystem you know, has grown. You started uh, the company in 2015. Just tell us a little bit more about LA specifically
1: we've really seen a resurgence in LA tech. It's been great to see, we had our we had Snapchat IPO here and we've seen people like Imran Khan from Snapchat start a new company, Travis from Uber starting a new company in LA, and just a lot of consumer centric companies really building bases here. So I think it's it's been great from an LA standpoint where we have a lot of influential founders and companies who have grown and especially with the Snapchat IPO, a lot of founders, new founders coming out of that Snapchat ecosystem and creating their own companies
0: to your point that when you see really successful companies have big exits, that talent pool then turns around and begins to create more uh, startups and the ecosystems expands and it's pretty wonderful. So now, Eddie, I want to shift to you. Um, as we can all tell from this interview, you're just a great guy. Uh, you're really passionate about what you're doing. And there's a segment of kind of uh, delight here, which is like you love to delight and consumers who are obsessed with sneakers, uh, which, you know, truly is kind of a a long-term staying power in terms of just people's obsession. Um, What's one thing uh, that brings you a ton of delight as an entrepreneur? You know, what's the thing that you look forward to the most as you've been building GOAT?
1: For me, I think, yeah, we've been fortunate to grow to a 600-person organization. And What's really fun for me is that I just I mean I love to win. I'm very competitive. I want to win for the whole company and our growing team. We do all hands meetings regularly and it's just crazy. Every single time we do this meeting, the audience grows bigger and bigger, which continues to motivate me to just do better for them.
0: That's awesome. How often are you doing all hands?
1: We try to do it about every six weeks.
0: Uh, It's so funny. We used to debate all the time. Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Starbucks at one point was doing weekly. Weekly seems like a lot of work. Um, And so I always love to ask uh, entrepreneurs that question. So when you think about the things that you've had to scale and you've had to get better at, um, what has been the hardest thing for you as you think about running GOAT that you just had to get better at quickly that wasn't natural to you?
1: Well, we've been fortunate to be in this rarefied air of having grown the company and scaling it to the number of employees and the just the growth that we've had, especially internationally. So for me, I always look to continuously improve my leadership skills. I mean, yeah, to be honest, this is the first time I've been fortunate enough to lead a company this big. So I have a great executive coach and a great leadership team that helps me improve my leadership skills constantly.
0: So I'm extremely passionate about working with an executive coach. I was an athlete in college. Uh, I was a diver. And I just said, you you know, if you want to get better at a sport, you train with someone. And there's really no difference to, uh, you know, being a CEO. It's like, to, to get that extra training, those extra insights. What would you say has been the best thing for you working with a coach? In your own words, what was the the thing that you were like, this is really worth it? I
1: think sometimes with the day-to-day fires that you have to deal with at a company, an executive coach really helps you get back into that positive headspace. And with my executive coach, it was definitely that where I would talk to her about kind of some certain issues and she would always reground me and recenter me to think about the positives and to think about every kind of interaction I have in a positive light versus kind of a potentially defensive or negative light.
0: So, last just few things here. Um, what's your personal playbook? Exercise, sleep wise, etc. Travel wise. What are your tricks that keep you on the track?
1: the, the single biggest trick for me is honestly my dog. He is my (laughs) alarm clock, my natural alarm clock every single day because he wants to always wake up early to go on his walk. So I never have to set an alarm clock and it gets me up in the morning and just I just get awake because I I have to walk him a mile every day. So um, and, you know, when I come home, he's unwavering in his support and happiness and it really just grounds me and just makes me happy no matter what happens throughout the day. So I think my, my biggest secret is just having my dog around at all times and just really knowing that he needs me to support him, to help him, and just like, yeah, his unwavering devotion.
0: I love that. What's your dog's name? Bolt. I love it. Okay, so we're going to end on just a few things that I think are really important. What's your biggest pinch me moment so far for Goat where you were like, wow, I can't believe it?
1: I I have to go back to the employees on the all hands meeting when you're working at a company every single day. You don't really realize how big of a team you have or how big you've grown. And when and people have to remind me of like, hey, isn't it crazy that we've grown the team to 600 plus people? And that's the biggest pinch me moment where it's just like, wow, yeah, we've we've created a great company and we have to just keep going and keep winning so that we can make sure we have just continuously motivate the team and so that we can achieve success.
0: That's awesome. So what gets you out of bed in the morning? Uh, Outside of Bolt, which we we get (laughs) at your dog, but like when it comes to the company, what's the part of you that you're just like, I can't wait to X?
1: I think what's fun and the reason why I'm an entrepreneur is just because I didn't like the daily mundane grind of working a corporate job. So it's just so fun that every single day, that every single week is different and there's new challenges to face as an
0: example, I mean,
1: we're, we're launching internationally and with 12 million users right now, we're primarily domestic. So as strong as our brand is here, we want to build a very liquid marketplace for the globe. And doing that means you have to understand every nuance of every country, their taxes and customs. And just like, it's just fun to just keep like kind of creating a little startup every country we go to.
0: I love that. I can only imagine uh, just as you think about going more and more globally, you know, I think you're going to find a lot of great success. What's your favorite interview question? Just the one that you feel like gets to the core of who people are.
1: I love to ask What's a reason why we shouldn't hire you? Because it really makes them think critically about themselves and if they are a fit for the company.
0: So give me an answer. Like give me an example of an answer where you were yeah. like, it told you you shouldn't hire the person or should
1: uh, there there's been many, but if I ask that question and they say, "Well, this is if it's a very communicative role, I actually am pretty to myself and don't really like talking to people throughout the day. And so, you know, if it's for something where communication is important, that's a reason to not hire them because they are better suited for a different type of position.
0: I like that one a lot, Eddie. That's really cool. We're, we're totally going to steal that one. Um, and then again, just because you're such a cool guy, cool kid in LA uh, and just so aware of so much great stuff that's going on. What's one startup or company that we should all know about that you're excited about?
1: I think, let's see, I'll give you one of my friend's companies. Uh, It's this direct-to-consumer patio furniture company called Outer. And what's really unique about their style is that, I mean, there's a lot of patio furniture companies, but what they're doing is they're having neighborhood showrooms. So anyone who buys this patio furniture can create a neighborhood showroom where now they are effectively, their homes are just kind of showrooms and sales floors for future customers so that it's kind of like an Airbnb-ish mentality where now I can actually make money after I buy this patio furniture because someone can come and visit my house and see what my backyard looks like with the patio furniture.
0: I love it so much. So, Eddie, first, thank you so much for joining us today. And for everybody out there listening, if you love sneakers as much as we both do, check out GOAT at GOAT.com. And please tune in next week for Ink's The Founder's Project with Alexa Von Tobel. Thank you so much, Eddie. This
1: is so fun. Thanks, Alexa.
0: Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like today's show, please rate and review wherever you get your best podcasts. My book, Financially Forward, comes out May 14th. You can find it wherever books are sold, and it will help you understand everything about the future of your wallet and all the best ways to save, spend, and keep your wallet secure.